Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? It's your boy Lewis Says Black coming to you with another podcast, baby. And today's title is going to be Lewis's Beef with Lifetime. As I've always said before, I'm trying not to get too big into current events, but this is going to be something that is going to be timeless, so you'll be able to play this back and laugh at it for years and years to come. Let your kids listen to this when they get older and they see what I'm talking about on Lifetime as they continue to chronicle the life of these celebrities, however in the hell they want to do it. And I'm going to talk about a few of my personal problems that I've had ever since I've been able to put my eyes on Lifetime. It's only been a few full Lifetime productions that I've sat through. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you what really has burnt my biscuits and what has put sugar into my grits. But before we get into that, I would like to do a quick music review. Not to date the show, but hell, who cares? I want to talk about how Kanye... There's actually a few new albums that came out. So I'm going to talk about how Kanye came out with the much-anticipated Donda album. It wound up being 27 songs. And I'm going to show you something about the human psychology. Which is big numbers freak people out. That's why I'm glad that back when Pac and Big... And even Jay-Z and Nas were deciding to drop double albums. They called them double albums. You know, Nelly even with a sweat and suit, dropping them separately. And Nelly was smart for making people go out and make two separate purchases. I like the fact that no matter how you cut it or slice it, when it comes to a CD, you can only fit about an hour worth of music on those bad boys anyways trust me anybody that comes from my era any true 80s baby or hell even 90s baby you can attest to the fact of sitting up here and having to try to burn a cd and when you're sitting up here and loading up this cd they're letting you know how much time you got on that bad boy so people get freaked out when they're like, oh my goodness, 27 songs, I'm not finna sit through all of that. But if you just sit up and do your math and just take 27 divided by two, that's 13 and a half songs per CD. And of course, you know, you have to go with a straight number. So that's probably 13 on one CD, 14 on another. And I'll be damned if my boy Tupac on All Eyes On Me didn't have maybe 13 on the first CD and about 14 on the second one. I'm thinking 14 would have been heaven ain't hard to find. Even if it was 12 on 13 or whatever, that's still about, you know, 25 songs. So had this. So for anybody that hasn't listened to the Donda album, I'm not going to give any spoilers because It's really so much of a masterpiece in my eyes that it's too hard to just describe every single song. But 
for anybody that's scared, just think about it as this was Kanye releasing a double CD. If, and it would be smart marketing for Kanye, he should put out a collector's item, double CD album. You know, just say, you know, if somebody does have a CD player and they want to get that CD quality and really put their hands on the music, or if they just want to have it just to have, he should put that out there and that will really put things into perspective for people, of course, he named the album after his uh, deceased mother, and he even wound up getting an audio clip of her on there. That's not too much of a spoiler. That's something that people would tell you during these so-called little pre-previews where people were talking about the album before it damn near came out. A lot of times, don't be fooled. When these media sources are able to tell you shit about the album before the album really even drops like that, They've been paid to. They've been paid to listen and to give a little review. And more than likely, they're paid by the label to say as much positive stuff as they can. I haven't been paid by the label. Wish I was. Holla at your boy, y'all. I'm Lewis Says Black. I'm on Anchor. Y'all can find me. I'm Black Legacy Entertainment on YouTube channel. I don't mind doing no videos about these stinking ass artists. I'm just not going to do them while I'm at work because I don't like being in my work uniform when I'm sitting up here and trying to do this whole little thing on video. Boy, I'm up the crib. I ain't got no problem with it. Holla at me. Give me a chance, y'all. <laughs> but no, on a serious note, it was a good album for what it was worth. If you're looking for your standard mechanical sounding you know, futuristic type of uh, album, you know, three sixteens, three uh, hooks, real mechanical, digital, digital trap type of sound. I would say to go to Trippy Red. It's like a uh, trip of the night, some shit like that. I don't feel like wasting my time on my podcast trying to look that up, but I have just recently listened to that album just as of last week. That's another good album. So if you're looking for that standard type of rap music with a 2021 type of vibe, because we are just creeping into this future that they talked about so much. Trippy Red is uh, who you need to go to. Kanye West, this is straight up music. This is music where... The people on there, or should I say the people featured on there, and Kanye, it's a twist between between sometimes we're going to sing and sometimes we're going to rap, but we're going to make music. This was instrumentation because people tend to forget that this dude is a producer first and foremost. When this dude started doing music, it's a little bit of a blend because he would be trying to rap here and there, but his bread and butter. And what people were looking to him mainly for at first and what got him in the door at Rockefeller was him making beats. Then after making beats as a consolation, it's like, hey, let's go ahead and make you even more popular by uh, putting out a rap album. And that helped him really display a lot of his beats to the industry. And for the most part, even though he would rap on a song or two that he produced, for the most part, people were hey let me get this beat up off of you 
you know, shouts out to people like Ludacris. They would buy the beat up off of him and not even have him on the song. Just bam, I got this beat. Stand up when I move, you move. Just like that, when I move, you move. Hey, DJ, bring that back. And the list goes on and on and on and on. So what you can expect is it's going to be a lot of singing. It's going to be some rapping. And then it's going to be some times where he's going to let that beat ride. And it's actually quite soothing. Because you get to just get caught up in the beat that he made. You get to get caught up in the music. And it's like a musical journey. And that's been and it's only been so many times where I've been able to say that. Where I can say a person has taken you on a musical journey. It's not an album. It's a musical journey. Now, double CD analogy or whatnot. It is an hour and about 48 minutes. So for anybody that wants to listen to it, this is not the type of album where you can just listen to it, put it down and then come back to it and just keep on nitpicking at it like maybe you would do a certain tv show no you need to do this like a movie just like with a movie you would dedicate about two hours two hours where you know that even if you're at work depending on what kind of job you got or if it's the weekend where you know you've got two hours where you can sit down and you can concentrate on the story that is being told to you if you listen to it straightforward like i did then you'll get where he was going with it Otherwise, it is going to sound crazy to you because each bl- each beat blends into the next beat and it's a story that he's telling. And just like how if we were to do a movie and during the movie, the soundtrack and the background music is going to switch up. But, you know, the main plot of what's going on, that's what it is. So that's another thing we can call it. It's like a musical movie. And I feel like those little part twos that he threw in at the very end, those were kind of like the credits. Like, you know, let's throw in some familiar songs that you kind of heard during the movie and let's do a part two, which is kind of like the credits. So shouts out to the dude Kanye for once again having his little shenanigans with Drake and very quickly going from someone that we were not even thinking about back in like May and June and I say damn near even July I feel like around the 4th of July wasn't nobody thinking about no Kanye or no album so within just this month of August that shall soon pass definitely by the time you've heard this podcast made himself relevant and threw himself right back out there with the fact that it is 27 songs and you need to listen to all 27 to get the full experience that means he's going to get paid a whole lot on streams they say that he's already been breaking records on spotify i feel like that's a lot of it is just the curiosity streams curiosity streams and then people going back and maybe playing some of the songs that really stuck out to them that they like one that stuck out to me that i really like along with the uh part two song that he did with the locks is um it's some song where he sampled lauren hill's voice i'm really really digging that one and it's a whole bunch of them it's definitely 
not too many songs I can say, oh, just, you know, horrible. But of course, you're going to have the ones that stick out to you that you will go back to. Shouts out to the boy Nelly for doing his CD. You know, he called it the Heartland. And with the Heartland, he wound up doing what I call a country rap album. So it's rap music and it's him also doing some of that singing. But the main thing is these are some beats that are country music and hip hop infused. I think it wound up only being like eight or nine songs or something like that. And with that one, I'm going to give it a five out of five. He got the mission accomplished and something that I was scared of when I first pushed play on my phone to listen to this album was I was scared it was going to be corny. I was scared scared it was not going to be good. I was like, the beats are going to probably be horrible. I'm like, the songs are going to probably be horrible. But Nelly proved me wrong in that sense. The song concepts he had, being that he was going for a country type album, were very good and they were very country music appropriate. But also with that hip hop uh, flavor that he naturally can't get away from as a hip hop artist. And he did his thing on it. He put his brother City Spud on there. Shouts out to City Spud back when I was in St. Louis. City Spud always kept the real and showed. A lot of love to your boy Louis S. Black when he would see me in these streets. Or should I really say in these clubs? So shouts out to those. You know, also Nelly for keeping it real with me and giving me some real good advice on this music game when I uh, met him. Which is, hey, you got to take a song and you got to find one that you can just run into the ground. To where people say that they are sick of hearing it. And as soon as you run that one into the ground, have another one that you're ready to run into the ground. I'm like, excellent concept. And ever since he told me that, I feel like I've been working on that. But it's not about me. It's about him. So uh, the heartland, the heartland, because I feel like, you know, just represent the Midwest. And that's what it came across as. It didn't come across as no Texas shit or no Alabama shit. It came across as a Midwestern. Missouri type of country album. It really had that vibe. This ain't this. So if you're looking for Nelly to be St. Louis this and St. Louis that, I think he might have mentioned it maybe once at best. But on this one, it ain't about St. Louis. It ain't about Natural Bridge and King Highway. It ain't about Grand and 70. It's not about what places used to be popping back in the days it's not about what places in st louis are popping now he made this more of a rural missouri type album if he's anything like me i'm pretty sure that in order to get into the groove he probably got himself a nice r&b out in a real rural area where you know you've got a little bit of reception but you know when you look out you see a lake and you see some tall trees something like that that's what i would do to get me into that mentality i feel like it would be really hard to write an album that is a country rap album as good as this one that nelly aka cornell haynes put together if i'm sitting up here in this concrete jungle these major cities that us black folks live in i call them concrete jungles because i mean it's a little bit of grass but it's more concrete whereas you get out in these rural areas there's more grass and way less concrete 
and I feel like it's just hard to do that and then hop outside and you got cars zooming by and you've got all of this fast-paced city shit going on. So shouts out to them. Now, let's talk about my beef with Lifetime. And it's been an ongoing beef. Now, I'm going to start with my petty issue, which is with Lifetime, I understand that it's a woman's channel and you are deciding to direct your programming towards women and their issues and what they want to see. There is nothing wrong with that. I just don't like the portrayal of men. Ever since I could remember, since damn near being like maybe a teenager or something like that, every time I turned on a damn Lifetime movie or happened to be channel surfing and happened to get stuck onto a Lifetime movie and wanted to check out what they got going on, it's some man and, it, and this is about men. This ain't about black, white, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, none of that. No matter what kind of man you were on these programs, number one, you were the bad guy. And number two, eventually you were going to get shot or get your ass beaten. You know, fine ass, pretty ass woman ain't never been in a fight a day of her life. But because you keep on going, oops, upside of head, oops, upside of head, <laughs> getting your Charlie Wilson on with the woman. Now, this pretty ass little woman that's all of about five foot two, 103 pounds, done went clean upside your head with an aluminum baseball bat. That type of violence. You know, them having to stab the man to get up off of him. It was just like a damn horror movie where it's like the damn husband, through sickness and health, winds up being such an asshole that he winds up being the final boss. And they just really exaggerate men when they make them the final boss on these Lifetime movies because these Lifetime movies I used to see, I'm like, no, this ain't normal. I'm like, no, you didn't sat up here and you didn't, you didn't, you, you didn't grab this little 38 revolver that this man usually carries and you didn't shot him once, dead up in his stomach. And he's just still moving and still coming at you. No, 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 no. In real life, you can hit that man in that stomach. And as long as you don't call 911, you can let him bleed out. Because <laughs> even him trying to put his hand over his own wound, that ain't going to do much. And he's still going to bleed out just slowly but surely. But in these movies, they shooting them, they hitting them. He's still coming and coming just like Jason or Freddy or something. And they just have to damn near throw him through a glass window and do all kinds of stuff just to kill him. Super invincible. Given a false reality of us. So I've always had a beef about that. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I was to just really spend the whole day looking at Lifetime, maybe they've got a few nice little love stories. But the ones that caught my attention that really just burnt my biscuits and put sugar in my grits was the ones where, you know, this guy is this super invincible asshole. And because of the fact that she chose to marry him, he has just totally ruined her life. I feel like sometimes people ruin their own lives it ain't your spouse 
I feel like sometimes a woman can ruin her own life through just other decisions that she's made besides who she decided to spend her life with and who she decided to spend to marry. It kind of makes it a thing where no matter what, I can just project what's going on to the person that I am in a relationship with or the person that I'm married to. And I'm like, that's not cool. So I'm like, lifetime, y'all got to chill out on that. Now, here's my biggest beef. And what got me inspired to do this episode to talk about Lewis's beef with Lifetime was, and I'm not surprised at the content because the content is right up their alley. Who better to do this? Because this is a real life story that was a Lifetime story just in the making, which is uh, Harry and Megan. No need to recap. We all know. Hey, Megan coming from City of Compton wound up doing every and I'm gonna try not to get into you know name calling because I mean you love who you love but for every black woman that has wanted to be with someone outside of their race she hit the fairy tale she hit the ultimate Disney fairy tale which is she didn't just get somebody regular that loves her she didn't get somebody that just makes a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year that's of another ethnicity, another race that loves her. Nah, she lucked up and got up on Prince Harry. And even me as a dude, I was impressed. I said, nah, if you're going to be with somebody and you're going to kind of step out on your folks, this is where you do it where at least you make a name for yourself at least you got something to show for it but she wound up experiencing something which is she learned the lesson she thought that racism only existed in LA if you deal with the LAPD she thought that racism was only some shit that once you leave California that you're only gonna see when you go to Louisiana when you go to Alabama when you go down to Mississippi, when you go to Kentucky, and you see somebody riding around in a big old Chevy pickup truck, a big old Dodge pickup truck, <coughs> a big old Ford, 150, 250, or 350. Oh no, baby. And you know, and, and, and and you really don't know that it's racist until you see the big old Confederate sticker on the back. She 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 thought that uh, racism only came in the form of someone that wants to wear a flannel shirt, but they want to cut off the sleeves. Someone that's bold enough to call you a nigga to your old face. Oh no, baby. Oh no, baby. Racism is worldwide. And she experienced some of the most subliminal. Because I ain't gonna lie, I feel like if they would have been direct with her and been more Alabama, been more backwoods Kentucky about it with her, she could have, you know, if she's got some of that Compton in her, she could have fired back at them, cussed at them. And she would eventually still got kicked out of the royal palace, but she wouldn't have went through so much mental distress and anguish 
because she'd have been able to get her issue off. You know, when you're not able to get your issue off and you're feeling like you have to run away from something, you're more traumatized than when you sit up and you confront that monster. You confront that problem. You confront that person that is making your life a living hell. And then you bounce like I'm out of here. See ya, suckers. Nah. So, Lifetime decided to make a movie about it. And when I tell you that the casting, because I had the TV on mute, so I didn't get to hear the audio. But it really doesn't matter to me. I'm going off of physical casting because, of course, and this is going to go into my beef, when we do biopics of people, we try our best to find a blend. And when I say we, I'm talking about the, mu- the movie industry. We try our best to find a blend between someone that can, number one, ultimately, look as close to this person as possible and then still get down the mannerisms can get down with some of the little personality quirks and some of the shit to where no matter or or should I say depending on how well the general public knew this person that's being depicted to where you can make us forget for damn near an hour and a half or two hours that we're looking at you and that we're looking at this person some good examples of physical casting and a person having down some of the uh, mannerisms. Um, not going to spend too much time on his name, but the boy that played Tupac. The boy that played Tupac in the All Eyes on Me biopic had the look down and definitely had the swagger down, especially when it came to even the performing. When he did the performing, it damn near brought a tear to my eye because you could tell that the boy really studied the Tupac performances and he really got that movement down um another classic one and I'm gonna appear like ha he almost cheated Ice Cube and his son playing Ice Ice Cube's son playing him in the Straight Outta Compton movie I felt like that was borderline cheating cause I'm like Lord have mercy you spit this boy out all that boy was was just a little bit more light skin than Cube. And that's just because of the fact that Cube's wife is more lighter. So the boy took towards his mama's complexion, but nose, uh, face shape, you know, how he would look when he would snarl up, all Cube, mannerisms, uh, attitude, uh, any scene where just Cube needed to be angry, you you forgot that you was looking at his son and you were like, okay, I'm looking at Cube. Um, I give some props to Margot Robbie, best known for playing Harley Quinn and what she did in the I, Tanya movie. And the list goes on and on. Now, some would say, well, why are you mad at Lifetime for their casting? The casting was so real that for a quick second, I really, really, really thought that I was looking at Harry and Meghan. I'm thinking to myself, is this maybe like a half documentary, half movie where we're going to do a, you know, where we're going to have them for real 
and then we're going to have some reenactments. But then I'm seeing them interacting with each other. And I'm like, no, this isn't them talking straight to the screen. Like, yeah, this happened. And I heard her talking shit behind my back. And I said, you know what, Harry, I'm ready to go. No, every scene was them interacting with each other. And this woman crying and old boy consoling her. So I said, my eyes were deceiving me. So I went to good old Google. Well, I guess when you got Google. And I looked up the cast. And sure enough, I did my research, looked at some articles. And I'm like, okay, they specifically, like always, casted an actor and an actress that looked very much like them. And to really get down the look, I can tell that they really put their work in as far as uh, makeup and angles or whatever they had to do and I'm like the only thing that would make me watch this girly type shit is the fact of just how much they look like them I've never really paid too much attention to Harry and Megan the most I probably heard them really speak was when they did the Oprah interview that I had to check out and they're going to be doing a reenactment of that I want to see who they're going to wind up having play Oprah. Who knows? This is Lifetime, so this is where the budget may run out. So you might say to yourself, Lewis, so what is your beef, dude? My beef is the fact that Lifetime has been notorious for doing horrible casting when it came to our movies, our biopics. The Aaliyah one, disappointing, pissed people off. I'm going to be honest with y'all. The casting that they did for the TLC movie, borderline pissed me off. They had Kiki Palmer playing Chili. So I'm like, as far as an actress, this is going to be probably the most established actress on here. And you're kind of wasting an actress by having her play Chili, who's a pivotal part of the group. But let's be honest, between T-Boz really being the leader of the group and Left Eye being that wild card and that one that was really setting it off with the raps and her antics and all that, I'm up here like, y'all could have concentrated more on instead of Kiki Palmer getting someone that looks a little bit more like Chili. The only one that looked like who they were playing and even still, but hey, I'm like, you know, you can't just find clones. You got to go with what you got to go with. And some people just have a very unique look was the, the young lady that played T-Boz. I understand that they needed a rapper. So they went with Little Mama. So with Little Mama, they definitely got a hip hop artist that could easily keep up with Left Eye's flow. Hell, probably grew up. If not seeing TLC and them live when they were really doing their thing, being able to kind of go back as a lot of us hip hop artists do and just being able to catch them on the throwback tip and listen to some CDs and look at some videos. And she had the rapping part down, but we all know that little mama does not look like no damn left eye. Little mama to me looks like Marlon Wayne's with a wig on straight up that um surviving compton movie oh my goodness 
the only person they had that was looking like who they played and really with Shug, it ain't that hard. I've been noticing in Hollywood, what they do is they find a real big, tall, stocky, light-skinned dude, shave him bald, and put a full beard on him, and pop a, and pop a big old cigar in his mouth. Other than that, didn't nobody look like who they were supposed to look like. And people have made fun of it. It used to be memes where people would show a Lifetime biopic movie and who they were casting. And something that really hit home was when they did um, the Cash Money movie. And in the meme, they had certain people. Matter of fact, with this one, I want y'all to bear with me. I want y'all to bear with me because I know the funniest one was they had Lunel playing Manny Fresh. But I want y'all to bear with me because why well, guess when you got Google and of course when this funny meme came out, I saw it on Google. Let's type in lifetime cash money movie meme. Let's see if we get something. Right. Let me see. Movie parody meme. Let's try to put in parody. Cash money movie. Cash money movie cast. Parody meme. And then let me see if I just do not put in lifetime. Other than that, we got to continue on. Cash money, movie, cast, parody, meme. Not showing anything. Let me see. Hot boys, movie, cast, parody, meme. All right. It's not showing, but it was an old meme back in the days that basically had a whole bunch of people and it was a whole bunch of actors that we knew, but you just knew that they looked nothing like them. And that's what they were notorious for. So I'm up here like, oh, the Salt and Pepper movie. Salt and Pepper movie, I feel like they did a good job as far as finding the girl to play Salt. But when it came to Pepper, they found someone that is a very good actress, Layla Odom, that I know, so much respect to her with her comedic acting. Woo! Definitely shouts out to her for what she did in the Zane Love Chronicles. She's got a sexy body, y'all. She's got a sexy body. And during the Zane Love Chronicles, she was actually hooking up with old boy that plays old boys. Mm -hmm. Uh, nep uh, uncle in Snowfall. I think his name is a uh, Saint or something like that. And you know they were getting their thing on. But the thing that got me was okay. She's got the acting down, and she's got a little bit of the attitude. You know, with the writing, she was able to just basically be the hothead that Pepper was. But I'm up here like Pepper was thick. They should have found a sister that had more meat on her bones. I'm up here like you were trying to sell me with a thick salt. 
a thick salt and a skinny pepper. Because I ain't trying to front y'all. You know, salt is thick now. But that was just due to just old age. And when I say thick, just thick, not fat. But that's just due to old age. So by the time they got older, it was definitely way more convincing that, okay, this is the older salt after a few kids or whatever. But I'm up here like, hold up, man. Salt wasn't holding like that in the very beginning because I do remember when Salt and Pepper came out. My mom was the one buying the tapes and listening to them. But I remember seeing the videos and I always knew like, whoo, Pepper is not fat, but she's got this thickness on her that's not normal for women of the 80s and the 90s. And they should have found someone with some good acting skills that kind of portrayed that to make it believable. And I just feel like when it comes to Lifetime doing the movies about our, mainly our sisters, I don't know if they did a Whitney movie. I think they did. And I think that was disappointing. Let's, let's look that up. Whitney Houston Lifetime movie. Lifetime movie. All right, I'm gonna click on a picture or so. Cause this is her. This is basically who played her, along with who was able to uh, play Bobby. All right, I gotta be fair with old girl and with Bobby. They got the um, they got the size down. You know, they made sure that old girl was skinny, and she definitely had the size and the complexion. And they, they're doing something on here, which is good, which is give me that side by side because they messed around and had her redo one of the album covers. Boom, 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 boom. All right. They did a good job as far as the physical casting, even old boy that played Bobby. I'm like, all right, I can definitely uh, see him playing a Bobby Brown. I like that because they got him with the Gumby and all that. So I'm going to say look wise, but I wound up hearing reviews on it. And I wound up hearing reviews that the acting was terrible, which is another thing. Once y'all halfway, and now that I'm at it, I do want to see who played Aaliyah. I just want to do that little comparison while we're talking. Once y'all halfway find someone that looks basically like a twin of the person, then I hear that the acting winds up being horrible. All right, let's do a side-by-side -side on this one. Hold up, hold up. All right, in the natural state, uh-uh, looking nothing like a Leah. But now let's see what they did when they put them up. All right, the girl ain't got the nose, but whatever, whatever, but boom. The eyes, the hair, whatever, whatever. All right, boom, once again, y'all tried. And y'all went for the quickest Aaliyah that y'all could get your hands on. All right. But then once again, I heard the acting is horrible. So I'm feeling like if y'all. Lifetime. My beef with y'all is how come y'all can't get both of them together when it comes to depicting my sisters? Because I know that y'all really ain't going to do any movies about dudes. If a, if a dude is in one of these biopics, it's because he was a boyfriend or something like that. 
Oh, and, and, and just shouts out to just the, you know, the, the, the bootleg Mac-10 that y'all threw in in the TLC movie. Y'all did halfway decent with the trench that y'all threw in once it was time to date Pepper in the Salt movie. But I need y'all to get it together next time y'all want to depict one of my sisters, dead or alive, which is someone that looks like them, that has the acting chops to really put together the swag, the movement. You know, to be fair, they don't have to know how to sing a rap. You can always easily just play the real song over what they're doing, and that's fine. But just at least for them to have the mannerisms so that you can give us something worth watching over and over and over and over and over again. Kind of like how a person like myself wouldn't mind looking at the Straight Outta Compton movie anytime because the spotting, because the casting was dead on. The Easy E guy looked like Easy, especially once you put the little drilly curl wig on him. The guy that played Dre, he convinced me that this is Dr. Dre, especially with the way that he flipped his voice and put a little bit more bass in his voice and kept a lot of that seriousness and that quiet type of laughter to him. Cube son, we already talked about that. The guy that played MC Ren probably looked the most like anybody out of them, but he wasn't playing such of a pivotal role, but it wasn't totally far off. I'm like, boom. I'm convinced the guy that played yellow. Oh my God. So spot on. So can y'all do that? Because I can tell that y'all putting some effort into this Harry and Megan movie. And I know that the Royal family is an executive producing this shit because y'all finna be throwing them under the bus in this movie. So I'm up here like whether it was Harry and Meghan that came out of their pocket for this own movie, which I could probably see them doing that or whatever. Y'all decided to put some respect on their name. And so far, looks like y'all decided to get some people that are so convincing that a player like myself had to go to the internet just to make sure like, damn, is this maybe their way of trying to get into Hollywood by them playing themselves? I'm like, y'all really took y'all time and put some effort into this casting. So just show us that same energy, Lifetime. The next time y'all decide to make a, I don't know, a, an Anita Baker movie or a Patti LaBelle movie or if y'all decide out of the blue to do the Alicia Keys movie or something. Looks and swagger combined along with someone that can really legit act. Because sometimes everything be there. The looks, the swagger, mannerism, because mannerism is easy if you keep on just looking at somebody and imitating them for seven, eight hours a day because you have nothing better to do than prepare for your role because these people are finna hit you with that bag. But just these people being good actors and actresses so I can believe what they're doing. Can you do me that lifetime? Because I'm starting to think that y'all playing favorites. <laughs> Anyways, with that said, that's been another episode of the Lewis Says Black Show. You already know where to find me on social media. And the link shall be in the description. And I'm going to holler at y'all. Peace out.